It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 417 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a great interview with Justin Richards from a new vault comic book called Finger Guns. It's described this way. In Finger Guns, two troubled teenagers discover they can manipulate emotions by firing finger guns. There will be laughs. There will be tears. There will be uncomfortable teen feelings and angst. Oh yeah, and chaos. So much chaos. I talk with Justin about how the book came to be, about the great team that's working with him to make this comic happen, and what we can expect from the various characters and from Justin and this group in the coming months. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Justin Richards, the writer of a really fascinating book that's coming out very soon from The Vault, which is called, and let me make sure I get it straight here, Finger Guns. How you doing, Justin? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Boy, have you been getting a lot of attention with this good comic. I, I, I saw it in Hollywood Reporter covered you. You were listed in the New York Times as one of the eight books to help you get through to spring. Mm-hmm. You're getting all kinds of attention, man. That's yeah, it's been pretty unreal. Yeah. Well, it's great when you do something that's a little different enough that it grabs people's attention and gives them – they want to know more what's going on. I had a chance to read the book. You made it available to me. And wow, it's really an interesting book. First of all, why don't you talk a little bit about what, what the book's about? Yeah, uh, which first let me say thank you for your kind words. Uh, means a lot. Um, but this is a book about – uh, we follow two kids, and it and it follows their journey as they kind of learn about maturity, and uh, basically they do so through a set of superpowers that they discover, where they can manipulate people's emotions using various finger guns and other hand motions and stuff. And yeah, we explore why two thirteen-year-olds having emotions is probably not the best idea. <laughs> Now, I've got to tell you something. I, I knew we were going to talk, and I happened to go see the Joker film rec- yeah. recently. And what did I see but finger guns <laughs> going on in there? And I was thinking, wow, if I, you were really ahead of the, gun, of the game here with this. Because, man, I just, you know, there's a, I don't want to spoil too much in the movie, but there's a, a part where one of the gir- uh, a girl that the Joker actually meets used a, a finger gun on herself, basically. Now, yeah. it doesn't do the kind of things that happen in this book, but it was just a fascinating. I kept looking at it thinking, wow, the Joker's advertising your book. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, never really thought about it ahead of time, but um, ever since uh, like the book's been announced and I've realized that like finger guns are pretty universally all over the place without even really realizing it. And so it's become a really good self-marketing tool, I guess. 
This is great. Now, I, I've got to ask a couple of things before we dive into the story some more. Absolutely. How did all this stuff happen? I mean, you know, first of all, why don't you talk about – I was reading somewhere that this whole book was based on a dream you had. Yeah, so I originally dreamt uh, a first-person experience of part of what you see in the book, you know, a very loose – and, it, you know, it was, it was a dream. I don't remember every detail of it, but – Basically, I was one of the kids that I ended up writing into this book, and I didn't know what to do with it at first, but uh, I worked with a friend of mine. Her name's Sabs Cooper. She makes uh, comic books as well, um, but she had to leave the project eventually, so I finished it on my own. But she really helped me shape it into you know, the foundation that it needed, and so we kind of just went from there, and yeah. Now, as I, as I also read, you were at the point where you were kind of deciding whether you should continue to explore making comics or not when this was going on, and that's when this dream took place. Yeah, it was actually even before like I made anything at all. Finger Guns is kind of my first stab at making comics. Wow. I've always enjoyed reading and writing, and um, I've always been decently good at it, particularly poetry. I had some poetry published when I was a kid at, at my school. It wasn't like a book, but um, yeah, I just always liked writing. And I had been doing reviews of comics for about three years, and I just kind of felt like I wanted to take the leap and try to see if I could make them myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I hope you sleep with a notepad next to your bed. I sleep. I wake up and write things in my phone for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, you've probably got other good ideas that might come along with this. Because it, it, it's a fascinating story. And you know, one of the things I really like about it is you've got a male and a female lead in it. And I think that's one of the great trends that's happening with comics right now is to have female leads be a very important part of the story. Now, she doesn't start out at the beginning, but she comes in at a very important point of the first issue. Well, talk about that. I mean... I, it's hard to say, you know, uh, you don't remember the whole dream. Did you dream two teenagers? Is this something your imagination, you know, got into as you developed the story? Um, I did dream of a second. Uh, so I dreamt of being one character, or at least, you know, a person in the dream. And there, then there was suddenly another person that had the same powers that I heard about and saw. And so, yeah, I did dream up the two, and they were, you know, one male, one female. But. I agree with you on, like, you know, it's become important that we're able to include everybody, and I'm happy that it came out that way. Yeah, it's really a great story, and I love the characters really well, too. I think that the whole thing sets up – the first issue is quite a big setup issue for what's going on, and I don't want to spoil much. I'm going to depend on you to tell me what we can and can't talk about, but I'm just just fascinated as to – do you know how the New York Times picked up on this? Is this? Did Vault send them your stuff to look at? How did you get to be in the, this? I mean, that's a wonderful accomplishment. I, I just think that's fantastic. I'm just curious as to how it happened. I do think it was Vault that got the book in front of the right person, um, the, guy, the guy who wrote the article. I forget his name, which, you know, which is a shame because I'm very thankful for him, including us. But, uh, yeah, I believe it was uh, David who works with Vault. Um, got them the book and he liked it and decided to include it. 
Okay, the person that looks like on the website is George Jean Gustines. That's yes, that's, that's the name of the person. So it's always I always like having the internet internet in front of me just in case I I forget stuff. So that's what it's for. Now this right. article published just before Christmas, but that wasn't the first article. I came across another article in, from Heat Vision at the Hollywood Reporter, and that happened before Thanksgiving. So uh, this, this is wow! You're getting all kinds of attention for several months. Yeah, I have some coworkers that like to call me Hollywood now. Oh. <laughs> um, that was we got really lucky with who wanted to get the exclusive for the first announcement, and it was the Hollywood Reporter. And yeah, I can't thank my team at Vault enough for you know they're killing it on getting our book exposed to the right people. So what was that like? Because, I mean, you know, it, it's a daunting thing to talk to the press, in my opinion. And, I, and being one of the press, I always try to say this is a conversation, not really an interview and that such. But if you're brand new to it, I mean, what was it like to talk to the Hollywood Reporter and then the New York Times? Well, actually, I didn't talk to them at oh. all. Oh, really? Either uh, of them? No. So with what the Hollywood Reporter reported was um, we created – we prepared creator statements ahead of time mm -hmm. and they posted those with the announcement, including, you know, some preview pages and some other words that they wrote pretty general stuff about, you know, what the book's about and what to look for and when it was coming out and things like that. Um, and so that's when, you know, we, we made our, our long speeches about, you know, what the book's about and things like that. And then the New York times, like I said, I didn't even know that that was coming at all until I got a message saying it was done. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's pretty smooth stuff, though. But I, I, you got to admit that was absolutely cool stuff. That really oh, was. Absolutely. <laughs> that's cool. Too. I mean, you know, the book isn't even out yet. That's the best part about this whole thing. Number one has not yet hit the stands, and according to what I'm reading, it's going to hit like February 26th. Yep. So, so people listening to this have a chance to go to your bookstore and let them know from Vault Comics you want to get Finger Guns number one. And that leads to my next question is, do you know how many issues are going to be in this? Is a mini series ongoing? How's this going to work? It is currently uh, going to be a mini series. We have five issues coming out for this first arc. If we sell enough, I do have some ideas for volume two that I would love to do, but it kind of depends on sales and what Vault wants to do. Well, you're off to a good start, I have to say, getting people's attention. So uh, that is excellent stuff. I have to say it's just, uh, you know, you can't do a lot better than the New York Times and the Hollywood Reporter to get some attention. That's right. really great stuff. So, you. I, you know, congratulations on that. That's a great way to start. So, okay, I, I'm curious because there's two characters. Wes is the guy. And what's the name of the girl? Her name is Sadie. Sadie, okay. Is Wes by any chance patterned after you, or is is he, he kind is. of he is okay? Well, I was wondering about that. They always say write what you know best, and yeah. you, you may know yourself best in this kind of a circumstance. So I'm curious. I mean, how much is you, and how much is your imagination? Um. Well, with Wes in particular, there's a. At least his personality is a lot like how my personality was as as a teen. Um, he's very kind of a loner. Like he he likes people and he makes friends, but he doesn't really hang out with friends. Kind of just does his own thing. Goes home and plays video games and goes to the record store and things like that. Like uh, he's not really popular um, and just kind of more of a wallflower. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely based a lot on me. Um, 
and then, you know, things that he does and things like that. And especially, uh, Sadie is, is kind of more, there's little bits of me and Sabrina in there. And I'm sure even bits of Val. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, she's kind of our, I always call her the cool, like the actual cool girl. Mm. Like she's the girl that like doesn't really want to be popular, but she is cause she's just cool. Okay. She's named after, she's patterned after somebody named Sabrina? No, no, no. Sabrina, um, was, uh, was, um, involved with co-writing early on. Oh, like long before I ever pitched it. Gotcha. So, you know, she, her personality definitely bleeds in to the story as well. Cool. Cool. Of course, one of the great things in, in these kinds of books is that sometimes opposites attract. Yeah, you, know, you get the the shy guy and the the girl who's used to everybody and popular around her suddenly is drawn to somebody who isn't that way, and I think that's kind of what's going on a little bit in this book. I like that about them. So, um, so I'm I'm just kind of curious as to what about the artist because the art is really kind of a, a fascinating you know bit too, and it augments the story real nicely. How did you come up with the artist? Was this something that Vault worked with you with, or did you find the artist? Um, a combination there of um, – I pitched this book on my own. I didn't have an artist attached or a colorist or a letterer. And like I said, Sabrina had to step away from the book before I pitched it. Right. Um, and so um, was, Vault was definitely involved in the ultimate decision, but – Val is actually, um, I met him through a, a writing friend of ours, uh, named Christoph Borgax, who, uh, he's got some comics coming out soon too this year alone. He's got a really cool looking book called Volume coming from Scout Comics, um, that he's doing with Skylar Patridge. But, um, yeah, I was looking, I was doing a personal project of mine. I have this little five page short story, um, and I was looking for a colorist, and he told me about Val. Mm-hmm. And I, then I looked at Val's portfolio and realized how good he was and thought he would be a great fit on finger guns. So I brought him to Adrian Wassel's attention mm-hmm. over at Vault, uh, my editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, you know, we had to talk about it for a while and look at all of our options, but Val just ended up being the right choice. I was reading where he said that the story took him back to when he was a he was younger, trying to navigate through the ups and downs of being a teenager. Yeah. There's something about being a teenager, you know, this coming of age thing that's always difficult, especially for those of us who are a little more shy and struggling at this stuff. That's exactly what I'm going for on this book. Like, I hope that ultimately my goal is that people relate to Wes and Sadie. Um, I kind of think of them as some of the ultimately most relatable characters that I've seen in a story in a long time, mm-hmm. which is why it feels so easy to write them mm-hmm. and easy to, you know, relate to them because it's, you know, we've all been there. We've all been teenagers with problems and troubled home lives and, you know, feeling like the world is against us and all those kinds of things. So it just draws a lot on that emotion that we all had that's just buried deep down. I got a. There's a, another thing I was reading in the article. It says you were saying that why didn't I have an idea about alien robots taking over the world as a metaphor for a specific political view I hold dear. Right. I got a well, kick out of that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. I. You know, imposter syndrome is real for writers and artists and any creative, really. 
Um, and so when I first, you know, this was, I had made this, this decision that like, okay, I'm going to try to write comics when I feel like I have a good idea. And I had this dream and I was like, okay, what is this dream? And I was like, man, I feel like this isn't much to work on. There, it doesn't feel like there's much here. It's just weird. It's kind of goofy, kind of weird. And I was like, you know, kind of down on myself about it. I was kind of like, you know, why didn't I have this like Alan Moore, Grant Morrison level of like, you know, insane romp through space and, you know, has a clear political message that everyone digs and, you know, things like that. And that's not what I got, but I'm glad with what I did end up getting because it's turned into something that's more personal to me. You got what you were supposed to get. Exactly. That's what was happening. Alan Moore is probably the only Alan Moore in the world, or probably that we'll ever have. Agreed. So as much as I like Alan Moore, and I'd love to have more people like him, yeah, I I can't see other people doing that stuff. I just, uh, you know, his stories always just you know fried my brain. Smoke would always pour out of my ears when I I read that. But I don't know if I want many more Alan Moores. I kind of think that what you're doing is a great. You know, it's it, the thing about science fiction. We always like to ask is like, what if? And you're kind of pointing out that these characters, you know, they may think that they're a little average on things, but there are parts of them that are extraordinary, that they may not realize that. And that's kind of the the, the development that we're going through with them. So I I thought that was a great message to start right off with. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Yeah, these kids, like, kind of like you said, like, I got what I ended, what I really ended up needing. I just didn't realize it yet. Um, and you're right. There's no one like Alan Moore out there. And as much as, you know, he's great and more of him would be great. It's even better to get more diverse voices out there and people with all kinds of messages and thoughts. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great thing because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've read a lot of Alan Moore and I really appreciate his stuff. And, you know, there are a lot of other writers who do a lot of different kinds of things. I mean, Scott Snyder is one of my favorites. Uh, a lot of Batman and stuff like that. There are a lot of great books out there right now. I think this is one of the best times because of things like uh, Vault and because of things like uh, Kickstarter where people who have ideas can suddenly get them out into the public where decades before there were all these great ideas that probably went untold because we didn't have such things. So it's just a cool thing. i got to ask about the process of getting to Vault. I mean... Was it uh, why go to Vault as opposed to other companies? Was there a reason you you went to them? Yeah, there's multiple reasons behind it. Um, one being, I love their books. I think they're really awesome, and what they're doing is special. I've always I've been a reader of theirs from the very get go. I picked up Fissure, you know, by Tim Daniel, and Heathen, and. Um, God, I'm trying to remember their whole entire first uh, run of books, and I'm failing hard because I'm getting older. But mm-hmm. uh, their stuff has always been great. And then uh, where I, the way I found them early on was because I did a, uh, a YouTube channel where I reviewed podcast or I reviewed comic books on a podcast with my friends mm-hmm. for three years, and we kind of went with the niche of like we do books that are small press and less covered and you know people don't talk about them as often and try to get shine a light on them and that included vault really early on and i met adrian wassell and tim daniel who they're the editor-in-chief and the lead designer of every book at vault comics Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I met them at their launch at Emerald City Comic Con, I think 2015. Mm. Um, and yeah, maybe even later than that, but, uh, just hit it off with them. They're great guys over there. Uh, the whole office is full of great people working hard to make comics they love. And that's what I'm all about. And so because I knew them through that and was able to get a hold of them. And also I love what they're doing. I sent my, my pitch to Tim Daniel first to get like his kind of one-on-one approval before I tried to send it to Adrian. He uh, emailed me three times before I woke up and told me to send it to Adrian. <laughs> That's cool. Cause I, I met vault comics. I think it was back a couple of years ago at San Diego. Mm-hmm. They had a small booth there at San Diego Comic-Con. And through that contact, I got to interview Adrian for this podcast one time. And I'm a big science fiction, fantasy, you know, anything that's a little out there. I, I much prefer that kind of stuff because I think you can tell all, a lot more kinds of stories than you can with other things. I mean, I, I don't find romances particularly interesting because they're a 50-50 shot. They do or they don't. And True. for me, I, your kind of story, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I love that in the story. I would rather sit there just kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen next and not being able to and being surprised. That's the kind of thing I like. And that's, I do like that Vault does a lot of that kind of stuff. I, I've liked a lot of their books because oh. of that. So I think you, you landed in a good place. I mean, was this one of the places you did? Uh, you don't have to mention if you went to other ones, but it, this was one of the places you went to? I I had plans for where I was going to go next, but I never ended up needing to. I never pitched it to anyone else. Oh wow! What this was is that I'm I'm kind of buddies with Donny Cates. Oh yeah. I am buddies with him. I shouldn't say kinda anymore, but anyway, <laughs> um, I told him about it, and he told me that he would help me get it around to other places if I wanted to, if if Walt wasn't interested. But that ended up being a moot point because Walt was, and I didn't feel. I felt like it was going to be in a good home at Vault, and I wasn't wrong. So, yeah, my favorite of the Vault books for a long time has been Interceptor, which Donny Cates did. Yeah, Interceptor really? technically originally came out through Heavy Metal, but Vault went through. They fought tooth and nail to get the rights to to print that trade of Interceptor, and then he re- he released Reactor, which is the sequel series to it, through right. Vault as well. Yeah, I liked all that. You know, I might have been to. As I think about it, I think Vault may have had a table at ECCC the year I was there. Because they came in this one area, you came in and to the left was where their great big table was. They had a great big table. And that's where I, I remember getting Interceptor, I think, there. Did you go? That, that sounds to me like you went last year? Not last year, but the year before. Okay. They definitely had a bigger table that year, but uh, this year, or this last year, 2019, they got. Uh, they had a huge table right off of the Sky Bridge. It's really cool. Oh, wow. But, yeah, they go to Emerald City Comic Con every year because it's where they launched from. And they launched from there because it's they consider it their home show because it's the closest big show to where they're based out of in Missoula, Montana. So Very cool, very cool. So well, they, but- and they, myself, and Val and a bunch of other great writers and artists involved with their books will be there this year as well. So do you go to so you're going to go to ECCC with, with them? Yep. Oh, you are okay. Well, good for you. That'll be fun because uh, 
I'm a, I'm an editor of an indie comic, and I'm, actually, it's funny you mentioned Scout because the the one that I work at was picked up by Scout Comics it's called Stabity Bunny, and oh, I've read that. Yeah, that's uh, the my roommate is the is the creator is uh, Richard Rivera, and we've gone to those and we we've, we've gotten a little more involved with Scout as time's gone along. So it's kind of funny to to do it. But when we we go to cons a lot of the times, we go and I you know we we interact with each other and I spend a lot of time because of this podcast and because of my interest in you know creative comics is to go around and and uh, instead of buying action figures like I used to, now I go looking for stories that. It sounds intriguing to me. Absolutely. I used to buy prints and figures and those things all the time. Like, my walls are just full of pictures and, and toys and things of that sort. Um, and, yeah, no, I, I've found myself drifting a lot the other way, like to yourself. Um, spending a lot more time just finding artists and writers to talk to an artist alley and looking more for like small indie books that I don't see anywhere that are little hidden gems. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that so much. A lot of times on this podcast, I'll interview indie people as well as, you know, I've interviewed Scott Snyder and other people like that too. Neil Adams and other people like that. But I like to also talk to people who are doing the, the lesser known books that I think people should know more about, which is like what your book is. I think people need to know about this book because it's just a fantastic book. I think it's going to be wonderful to see. So let's talk a little bit about the the, the surroundings around Wes and Sadie. There's yes. the the high school. I mean, is there anything different around you? It seems to be like a pretty regular high school. Yeah, the, the, it's actually a middle school. They're 13 years old, but um, yeah, their school it's pretty pretty normal uh, standard stuff. A lot of the designs on it, I was pretty loose with. You know, I'm not a very like I don't like to hold my artist's hand any more than they need. You know, like if they need help or reference or anything, I'm always willing to uh, to do that. But I try to really write kind of loose and let them, you know, design things better than I would because I know they will. Um, so a lot of things were designed visually by Val. Um, the mall scene that we go to, he went and found some malls and took pictures to to get reference on on it and you know so that's why you actually you'll see a lot of like kind of funny gags about how malls are actually fed these days mm-hmm. um there's not a lot of people at the mall there's a lot of signs of buy one get one because we're going out of out of out of business and things of that sort mm-hmm. uh, but yeah the school there is a special character at the school that we will see quite a few times starting at issue two mm-hmm. and some other kids that they interact with um, throughout the story, but ultimately, this is Wes and Sadie's story, and the setting is pretty secondary. Now, one of the things I'm really fascinated about are their f- different families. They yep. come from very unique family situations, very different from each other. Why don't you talk about them a little bit? Yeah, um, so I grew part of how these kids are similar to me is you know, I had spots in my childhood where I experienced abuse in different, you know, amounts of severity um, and things of that sort. So a lot of that draws on on some of my personal experience and some of it, you know, draws on other stories I've heard or, you know, things I've seen, that sort, that sort of thing. But I did want them to be kind of like how you were saying opposites can attract sometimes. I wanted these kids to be very different. I wanted them to be diverse. Um, and, yeah, like Sadie's parents... 
uh, came together. You know, they're they're um, immigrants from Brazil, and um, her name. I was actually her name that kind of inspired the most of that. Um, her name Sadie is actually short for um, Saudade, is how it's pronounced. It looks like Saudade or Saudade, but it's Saudade is how it's pronounced, and it it has kind of a nerdy level of writer like writer nerd levels of meaning buried into it mm-hmm. and so but because i found that and it and, you know when you're naming characters it's kind of weird especially your first characters on your first story and it's hard to pinpoint a, an exact way that you come up with their names and their backgrounds but it just kind of built and it was a lot of me and sabrina going back and forth uh you know, just figuring out what worked and what didn't work and what would serve the story better. Because mm-hmm. it's interesting, their, her family is very different from his. Yeah, um, their problems, while they both are troubled teens with troubled home lives, their problems are very different. Um, Wes um, has parents who aren't around um, for various reasons. And Sadie has parents who are around, but... Um, have other problems that you know affect her and how she feels and things like that. So, mm-hmm. are the the families ever going to meet each other as this goes along? Um, I don't want to say no, but I don't have plans for that right now. Okay, okay, that's good because it may be better that they travel in their own universes and when they interact, it's with each other rather than with other people. Yeah, like I said, this. This is very much Wes and Sadie's story, and so they are very much the focus. As much as it has a lot to say about, you know, growing up and maturity and emotions and things of that sort, there's a lot of themes, big themes. Um, The story itself is very well-grounded in just following these two kids. Mm -hmm. They're the most important and interesting part of the story to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's funny because when I had the dream, for one, I was, like I said, I was first person on one of the kids. Mm-hmm. And the other one, like, I don't remember seeing her or hearing her name or anything like that. And it was so, it was really kind of this, like the concept was the first thing, but what ended up very quickly becoming the most fun to write and interesting and more, most important part was just these two kids and who they are and the journey that they're about to take. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one thing we should point out, and I don't want to spoil too much here, but let's just say that the way Sadie and Wes do things when it comes to finger guns is different from each other. I don't know if you yeah. want to spoil any more than that because I don't, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. It's in all the the promo images and that sort, but and you do have to kind of piece it together yourself. We don't, you know, we don't uh, exposition it right to you, but um, yeah, no, Sadie uses one finger with her finger guns and. It has a calming effect on people, and Wes uses two fingers on his finger gun, and it uh, causes people to get very angry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the color of the energy that comes from them is different. Uh, Sadie's is blue, and Wes's is red. Yep. You know, that was, you know, there's a lot that went into that, but uh, that was decided on pretty early, you know. Red and anger are pretty commonly associated. Blue and calming is also pretty regularly associated. So it just kind of makes sense. The, the fun development was actually uh, Val's uh, creation, um, which so it, it's still to this day, even though 
Val and I think it is important to the story. We don't, it is and isn't, you know, it is if you let it be, but anyway, I'll stop talking cryptically. Music is important to the story. For oh, me okay. Cause they go to like a record shop. Yeah. You see the record store in issue one, you'll see in issue two and three for sure. You'll see other references to music and things of that sort. Um, you know, you'll see more records and more, uh, sing-alongs and things of that sort. You know, we have some fun with it. Um, it's going to be really you know, interesting. Wes always has his, his head buried in his headphones, which is another kind of thing that escaped from mine and Val's childhoods, especially. Um, I didn't even necessarily write that into the script, but Val went with it hard, and it's worked out great because it's just, it is part of who Wes is. But um, so, yeah, music is important. And he came up with the idea of, um, of wavelengths for, for the visual representation of their powers. Hmm. So if you look, uh, the anger gun causes, it, it has a lot higher frequency wavelength mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see more swirls, you know, more wild and out there swirls going at higher frequency, whereas the calming one is a slower, you know, slower moving, less, less waves. It's pretty cool. It's really that was, amazing. That was all Val's idea. Cool. Now, apparently there are some people who are not influenced by the finger guns, or at least there seems to be one person at least in, in, the, in the mall who doesn't seem to be influenced by it. Am I, did I miss something there, or is that true? You, you caught something, but... Uh, so Don't spoil it. it. <laughs> no, it's not really... like It's not important to the story, per se. It's okay. mostly... Um, so Wes, he points two finger guns at two people at one point in issue one, and one of them is affected and the other's not. And that is actually not necessarily because that person's not affected by the finger guns, but rather that Wes maybe isn't using the right hand. Oh, okay. So or, we gotta pay, we gotta pay attention. It yeah. Pretty good. It's subtle oh. stuff and it's more things that are just, you know, it, it like I said, I don't like to hold anyone's hand. That includes my readers. I trust that my readers are smart and that they're going to dig as deep as they want to dig. Yeah. And so, like I said, it's not necessarily important to the story that you realize that um, their off hands don't work. Oh, interesting. Only their dominant hands work for the finger guns. That uh, is really interesting. See, I like little clues like that because if I like to pay attention, and sometimes I miss the little subtle things like that. And I didn't notice that until you just said that. As I look back over the pages, I'm, I'm fascinated. Now, I'm even more interested to see what you got in mind for this because you've got some really subtle stuff going on here. I love subtle stuff. I love to be able to have to pay that's, attention. That's my favorite thing as a as a reader is finding things like that, like either small details about you know, how things are working in the world or even just fun gags in the background, which uh, Val is great at hiding stuff in the background. Um, There's one thing in particular that um, I won't spoil for you or anybody, but um, but pay attention to the background in the uh, the record store for sure. Okay, well, I'll make sure I go back and take a look at that. Yes. This is really well done. I mean, I really love, I love that kind of stuff. I I love it when, if I pay a lot of attention, I get things. Totally. 
it's really cool. I can't wait. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and make another read at it because I, I love that kind of stuff. I think it's terrific. So yeah. it's a really good stuff. So, um, so the first issue is going to be out at the end of February. Is it? Are they going to come out monthly? How are they going to come out? That's the plan. Um, okay. Issue two is set for, I believe, March twenty fifth, somewhere around the end of March. Okay. Don't quote me on the twenty fifth, but I think that's the day. Uh, I'll know better as as we get closer to that. Definitely still in promotion and issue one brain mode right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's the ultimate plan. Um, you know, it's not everything's not drawn yet, so you know, obviously life happens and things can happen, and oh, yeah. we'll see if we make our you know our monthly release schedule. But that's that's the game plan. It's five issues coming out monthly. So. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, of course, I've got to ask: Have you got any ideas for uh, Finger Guns Two? I have ideas for a volume two. Yes, mm-hmm. um, like I said, that'll depend a lot on sales and what Vault wants to do based on those sales. But I have ideas. But um, I also have I have an ending in mind for Volume One that you know I hope people will be satisfied with, even if I don't get to continue Wes and Sadie's story mm-hmm. uh, further. But yeah. Cool. I also have to say because I'm a big dog fan, there's there's a couple of dogs in the book. Yeah, and, I'm a, me and Val are both big dog fans. So. Yeah, there's a cute little dog that shows up a couple times that I really like, and I you know you always wonder has that got something to do with the story? But I, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> but there's some there's another dog that's in there that's a little. Let's just say that dog seems to be influenced by Wes so it's kind of something to see so it's it's always great the, the one thing I have to say the one thing that really got me was the panel where we were introduced to Sadie mm-hmm. I really like that she's standing on the hood of a car yeah um, the the exact scenery and how we got to that reveal of Sadie changed quite a bit mm. um, but that reveal of Sadie has been there since the beginning um, of her standing on the car Mm-hmm. looking all badass and just ready to be our favorite character to carry us uh, into this issue. And, um, yeah, that's Sabrina and I wrote that that uh, reveal from the get-go. And mm-hmm. um, seeing it come to life was definitely, like, I sent it to her as soon as I got it. I was like, dude, look at this. And she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's a great page. And Rebecca brought it to even more life with, like, I love the sunset colors that she did all Mm -hmm. throughout the issue, but it's really good on that page. We should talk a little bit about the colors, because the colors, I I mentioned the red and blue uh, energy, but there's a lot of other use of color that I really like about it. When people are getting angry, the background sometimes is red. Yeah. Strongly red, and there's other times when, when she's doing stuff where backgrounds turn blue and stuff like that. And the colors are really very interesting and very alluring and very, you know, it, it, it keeps your attention. You know, I love the artwork, but the color also helps with that so much. So I thought the color did a beautiful job. The colorist did. Yeah, uh, our colorist is Rebecca Nolte, and she's just been amazing from day one. And she takes very little, you know, direction. She just goes with it and makes these, you know, everything she turns in is I think we've had one change on colors, and it was, you know, a very, very minor thing that Adrian caught. And otherwise, yeah, Rebecca just takes it and runs and turns in amazing page after amazing page. And she really 
she gets the book. You know, I think like everyone on the team has really understood like what we're going for. And so it's been this really good singular vision that's coming together where everybody's just pairing well with each other. And it's been amazing to watch. Because I don't think people really understand the importance of a good colorist. They don't. And the same thing goes for a good letterer, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Letters and cup, like any single part, you know, it's kind of the classic, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. You know, bad colors can kill a book and bad letters can kill a book if your guy doesn't know or, you know, guy or girl, if, you're, if your letterer doesn't know, you know, where to put letters that make your eyes want to read in the right order. And, you know, they use some overly stylized font that doesn't make sense and makes it hard to read or, you know, there's a lot that goes into it that people honestly take for granted most of the time. So I have to ask you, though, I mean, what was it like when you first got, like, say, the first issue and you started getting the pages back that were, you know, the drawings usually happen first and then the coloring takes place after that. What was it like when you saw the two of those things together for the first time? Very, very surreal uh, <laughs> and very, you know, I had to sit down and just stare at it and go like, wow, this is this thing that I've been dreaming up and working on for years now. And here it is, a, almost a living, breathing, physical thing. You know, it'll be a physical thing in a month, which is even more insane. I did another podcast interview. I've been doing a few of them. And I did one recently where um, somebody said, the like, they, they said, they're like, oh, yeah, this book comes out next month. And I did. Like, my brain hadn't even registered that. <laughs> and so, yeah, everything from just, you know, how much it's been coming to life and then, you know, how great my team has been mm-hmm. has definitely been surreal and just, you know, everything I could have hoped it could be. You know, it's weird to just, like, sit here and gush about it, but it's been, really has been kind of a dream gig, you know. Um, I had a lot of this stuff written beforehand. Lots of things have changed, and I'm, you know, like this was originally going to be six issues was what I had planned for. Mm-hmm. So now we're only doing five for, mm-hmm. for volume one. And, you know, like I said, lots of things have changed around stuff, but a lot of that core is still there. So having worked on it so long and seeing it look different than I originally planned, but also like look way better than I ever thought it would. <laughs> it's a real thing that's being made. It's it's this amazing thing. I mean, I, you know, when I, I've been working with my friend Richard about this, and we were, you know, the first time we actually walked into a store and there was his book, and he didn't know it was going to be there. That was a big deal. Oh wow! Yeah, if he didn't even know it was going to be there, that would be awesome. Yeah, he was. And then, you know, there's also that thing of, you know, when the the, the layering comes and you start to see, gosh, it really is a comic book. Mm-hmm. You get that feel, like you know, because we weren't quite sure how the lettering was going to go, you know, because he had written the script and I had edited it and we put it all together. And then when the the letterer sent it back, we were like, "Wow, this looks like a real, honest to goodness comic book," <laughs> which is just something great. So you know, I can relate to the stuff you're going through. I I think when the time comes and you actually see it in the store that you don't expect to see, and then I think that's going to be a great a great moment for you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I have a six year old son that. I've told, you know, he knows what comic books are because I have way too many of them. And, you know, he reads them himself. And uh, we go to the, we like going to the comic shop together. And, like, like he buys uh, DuckTales comics and things like that. And, you know, we have a good time with it. And I've told him, like, Daddy's making a comic book. And he's like, oh, wow, that's really great. 
but I don't think he really registers it yet. So I'm really, really looking forward to the day that I get to walk in the comic shop and let him see it on the store, on the shelves. Mm, it's going to be fun. Whether you go to the convention too, and and you see the you'll see them in several different places when you get there. Usually, Vault will have them, but there'll be other places usually that sell comics, and they'll many of them will pick up you know comics like this one because it is you know DC and Marvel's everywhere you know. But when they sure. get something that's a particularly because Vault is a is, is that side of the the country kind of thing, they're going to see they're they're going to want to be a part of that and so that's why i think you'll see it in several places just where do you start signing them have you have you developed your first your own autograph i did i did i uh <laughs> i worked on it you know for for a bit it's not i didn't i have to luckily i came up with what i think is a pretty good idea for my signature like in a day but i definitely practiced it for a long time see i always i told my my roommate i said you can't sign things the way you sign your checks no you got to develop a different autograph because you don't want people. <laughs> somebody gets a hold of your check, you don't want them to be able to to do that to you. Yeah. So he developed a totally different one that he uses, and that, that's good that you're doing that because that's going to be important as, as time goes forward. Yeah, both. Not only did I not want people to steal my identity, um, but uh, I want something that can go quick. <laughs> yeah. You know? My my you know my signature my normal signature is not necessarily like super fast. Yeah, so, I, I don't know if you ever seen John Delancey used to play Q on Star Trek, and right. I was at a convention where he was signing photos, and I I watched him sign it. What he did was he put a J and a and a straight line after that, and I started to laugh. And he said, "Well, hey, I gotta sign these all day." He goes, "Yep, mine's <laughs> so. a mine is a J." And then uh, I've managed to fit a, a lightning bolt to to make an R. Ah. It's part of the J, and then I just put the year that I sign it. So cool. just initials with a cool lightning bolt. Very cool. I, I, you, you've got things planned out pretty well here, I have to say. A lot of people, when they just get started, they're kind of like going, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and we have to kind of figure these things out. It's great that you already are, are ready to go with all these good things. So is that going to be your first convention, ECCC? It, yes, it will be my first con as a writer, mm-hmm. and especially my first con with a book out. Mm-hmm. And la- I went to Emerald City last year because I try to go every year. It's a little bit more of an expensive con, and I do have to travel six hours to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's not easy, but it's it's doable, so I usually get to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there last year, and that was the first time that I was trying to be like pitching, and like that's where I pitched this book to Adrian. Mm. Um, at least in person, and I was, you know, talking to people as if I was a writer, um, which I'll never forget. It was Michael Morisi who works with Vault a lot. He has uh, three, four books out with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best of which being, or not the best, but the first and like one of my favorites being Wasted Space. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I told him like, yeah, you know, I'm out here trying to do the writer thing, and he was like, no, you're a writer. And I was like, oh. And he was like, yeah, like, don't let anyone tell you you're not. You're, you, if you're writing, if you're trying, you're doing it, you're, you're, then you're doing it. That's right. So, That's right. He's I've absolutely tried, right. He's absolutely I've right. Pass that along and live by that a little bit. Because it's interesting at, uh, at EZCC, and if people haven't been there, there are six levels in this building where that convention is held. The Artist Alley, if I remember correctly, is on the top. 
And then the, the fifth floor is where the uh, dealers and stuff are. Unless I've got that backwards. I might have that backwards. You're close, other than it's the fourth floor, I believe, that has the exhibition hall with all the vendors. You know, like Vault will be there and okay. Dark Horse and the like, yeah. along with, you know, comic shops and all that good stuff. Um, and then Artist Alley, I think two or three years ago, got moved up to level six. So. Yeah, that, that's where I remember it being. But funny story, we were there, and you know, Stabity Bunny had just come out and was kind of popular. And we were up on the sixth floor, and we, he was autographing some for for a, a dealer or something. And all of a sudden, this guy walked by, and he was his, his head snapped. He looked over, and says, "Is that Stabity Bunny?" And Richard's busy signing, and I, I was there with him, so I said, "Yeah, it is. This is the creator. He's, he's autographing these." Says, what? How much does it cost for me to get one? He goes. <laughs> So I think you're going to probably encounter some of that too. I think you're going to have some people out of nowhere will just say, "Oh my gosh, you're the creator of, of finger guns!" Oh man, <laughs> it's going to be fun stuff to do those things. So is that's going to be your first? Do you have other cons planned for this year? Um, I go to Rose City Comic Con in Portland every year. Um, that's my local show because I live in Oregon. Okay. So I am at, like I don't technically have tickets yet, but I will. You know, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm toying with the idea of trying to go do San Diego. Mm. I've never done it. Mm. I'm not a big fan of what it has become. Mm-hmm. I like comic cons, not mm-hmm. trailer announcement cons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never done it. I know that it's like a big life experience and also great for networking and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I might try to go if Vault is there at least and see if I can make that work. But we got to see how the finances line up and all that. If you can, it'd be a great idea because, you know, I, I, like you said with ECCC, you were there and you pitched it during the convention. Mm-hmm. A lot of conventions, it's the connections that you make during these conventions that make a big difference. Absolutely, I want I can to speak to more to that. I, it's a thing that I really like talking about because I came from a weird place to get to where I am, and I'm incredibly blessed that I, that it's gone as well as it has, and I I know that. But, um, you know, I got there, I got here through making connections when I was doing a podcast. Yep. I wasn't editing books or writing books or, you know, doing anything creative other than creating a podcast with my friends where we just, you know, joked and talked about comic books for hours on end. Mm-hmm. But that turned into meeting Adrian and, and Tim Daniel and yep. meeting Donnie Cates and other people, you know, like making friends with other writers and artists and, of starting to understand how comics get made and you know what's difficult and what you had to watch out for and mm-hmm. i don't know it's just something i was fascinated with and i feel like it was a good study for me to do and so you know everybody that goes to a con and and feels like you're you're not doing anything worthwhile or that you're you know you're you know you're just a guest or something you don't have to be you can make your own out of it kind of if you play your cards right and especially be a likable person like you know don't be a jerk because it actually word goes around it's a pretty small industry so mm-hmm. uh, i'll tell you one other really funny story we were at new york comic-con and richard likes to stay at the booth almost the whole con and he just happened to pick 10 minutes to leave the booth when who comes up to the booth but people from bleedingcool.com mm-hmm. yep. and and i'm standing there and i said oh you're from bleeding cool here have these comics and they went, oh, oh, you're going to give them to him? Yes, please take them. 
and you know the, the the guy that we were sharing the booth with, he gave them his comics too. But you could tell that they were they came over to 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 talk to about Stabby Bunny. When the post con article came out, number nine on their list of the top 150 things was that the best named comic in the entire convention was Stabby Bunny. Oh, nice. And it was ahead of Frank Miller's stuff and everything in the list, and we were just like shocked. Right. But you know that that see again, there's that connection thing, man. If you can, if you can be ready and be and know what the thing to do is at the right time, you can do a, a world of good for your own materials and f- for your career and stuff. So I just, I, I we always point to that when we go, you know, yeah, we did the right thing then. <laughs> Even though Richard wasn't there and I was there, but but luckily me being a press kind of guy, I, I understood what the story was. So mm-hmm. I got them involved, and I just, you know, that's the thing. See, cons, you don't know who's walking by. so you Absolutely. Know, Always just, be ready to, you know, like you said, like, like just be ready to, to do the, what you need to do at the right time. Pay attention. You know, it's one of those things, though, you're at a con, though, you're there for eight hours maybe, tw- sometimes we're there ten hours a day. And, you know, you get really exhausted and sometimes you just want to let go and not pay attention. But, man, you got to pay attention. Be the, That's the whole thing is to get that out there. So it uh, sounds like you've got so many things already good and going strong. So, man, I'm expecting good things. Of, of all things, I might get to meet you at ECCC. We're supposed yeah. to be – we're going there this year. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward, forward a lot forward to more finger guns. That first issue really grabbed me, I have to say, and I just can't wait for the other ones to come out. Because awesome. I write reviews at uh, Major Spoilers as well, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, write a review on this one. I got to get my name in there first, so nobody else grabs it before I do, <laughs> so I can write a review of it because it's got a lot of really strong things going for it. And I, like I said, I can't wait to see what uh, what you've got in store for these characters and for the situation. It just really sounds terrific. Oh man, thank you. Yeah, you'll have to come swing by. Uh, Val and I will both be there, and I don't know what our schedule is yet, but we'll definitely be doing signings at the Vault booth and. You know, definitely swing by. I will definitely do that. But Justin, just so much more success. You are, uh, like I said, you're on the way. I, I, I can't give you much more advice than you've already got figured out. So you're doing really well done stuff. And I just, you know, I think pe- when this hits the stands, I think people are going to really take a liking to it. So. I hope so. And I thank you. I appreciate that. And it's people like yourself that are going to help me get there if I do get there or we get there. My whole team has been, like I said, I... I I've been telling people lately that, you know, I don't do well with taking praise and unless it's for my team. And so, yeah, definitely couldn't have done it without, you know, without Sabs early on and without my entire team now and all the people at the vault office. You know, it's definitely a collaborative uh, effort for sure. Yeah, well, you tell them all. They all did a terrific job. Uh, and they're they're doing I'm sure though the, uh, the rest of them are going to be great, too, because I can't wait to get a hold of them. So, it, you know, it's great to talk with you, Justin. I, I will definitely say hi when we get to ECCC, and maybe when other things come up that you're doing in the future, we'll have to talk again because it's great fun talking with you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I can't wait to meet either. And, uh, yeah, um, do, I do intend to have more out, so we'll have to chat. Can't wait. All right. <laughs> People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, 
interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this week. Be sure to be back next time when I'll have another great interview with yet another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.